Thank you for joining me for another episode of Connecting Faith in Life. I'm your host, Mr. Brown. And I'm going to start with a question. What you worried about? What you worried about? I don't know if I heard that from my grandparents or mom, but I just have this vague memory of somebody asking me with that attitude, what you worried about? And I don't, I don't know where it came from, but that's the question I want to ask you today. What you worried about? And if you'd answer that question, you'd have a lot of things you're worried about. As a matter of fact, this past week in Sunday school class, uh, the speaker asked the kids in our open session, you know, what are they worried about? And the hands started going up. And these kids were telling me all, telling us all kinds of things they're worried about, from divorce to bullying, schoolwork, to home life, I mean, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, whoa. So I thought to myself, when we get back to our class in our small group, I'm, we got to pray for these kids and let them share. And we wrote down some of their prayer requests because they had some real needs that they had, some things they were really concerned about. And if I were to ask you what you worried about, you might come up with a bunch of stuff too. But the funny thing is this. Jesus told us not to worry. Now, there's this balance between concern and worry. Like, I can be concerned about something, but am I worried about it? So the title of this episode is, Worry is Killing You, So Stop It! <laughs> but instead, do this. Instead of worrying about things, there's something we should do. And in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25, Jesus talks about not being anxious. So we're going to exchange the word anxious for worried. It's kind of the same idea. He says, don't be anxious, right? But in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to talk about what we should do. Instead of worrying, we should do this. And I taught my kids that in Sunday school class before we prayed about what we should do instead of worry. I made a video about it, just made another video about it, teaching kids themselves. I made a video about teaching teachers and parents how to teach their kids not to worry. You can check all that out at ProclaimMinistries.com slash kids. ProclaimMinistries.com slash kids. Check it out. But let's get into Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. This is Jesus in Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's going through Sermon on All these people surround him. He's teaching about the kingdom and God's way, right? We taught the kids this past week. What did Jesus teach when he was on earth? Earth, he taught a lot of stuff, but he taught about God, God's kingdom, and God's way. And so here he's talking to the, his disciples, followers, including us, about worry. He says this in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, if you'd asked me that growing up, I'd be like, no, I like to eat food. What I'm eating next? What's, what's for dinner, right? So he's saying that our life is composed of more than eating and, and clothing. And sometimes we've worried about those things the most. Some of us do. Uh, my kids, they think they're starving. They haven't eaten in four hours. They're starving. And I was the same way, all right? But he says, listen, life is more than food and the body more than eating. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Now he gives a comparison. Look, look, the birds, they don't, look, look, birds, like I told you, birds don't come flying down with rakes and shovels to give up and start sowing seeds and planting and water. They don't do all that. Who provides for them? God does. God provides for the birds of the air. And he asks this question then, aren't you more valuable than they? You're more valuable. So if God's taking care of the birds, won't he take care of you? I think I did a video a long time ago. It says worrying is for the birds, right? Even the birds don't even worry because God takes care of them. Verse 26, verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious or worried, can add a single hour to his lifespan, span of life? He's saying, listen, worrying won't add to your life. It only subtracts from your life. Like I said in the title, worry is killing you. 
You're allowing it to kill you because it's taken away from your life. It will never add to your life. And I know some of us love to do stuff, right? And even worrying can be a form of doing something. We're doing something about the problem by worrying, and we're not really doing something about the problem. We're creating another problem, taking away our lifespan, taking away moments for our life because you cannot add to your life. You don't subtract from your quality of life by worrying. So he says, verse 27 again, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He gives another example. Look at the lilies of the field. They're beautiful, more beautiful than Solomon, who was the richest man never lived. But yet, the lilies, they don't work hard to look so beautiful, be taken care of. God takes care of them, he's saying. Verse 30. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Verse 31, he goes to therefore. So you should not worry. He gave you examples. Why not to worry? It won't add to your life. Look at the bird. Look at the lilies. Don't worry. He goes verse uh, 31, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Maybe I should teach my kids. Don't ever say what you should drink, eat again, because God said no. (laughs) But he said, don't worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles, unbelievers, those who do not believe in God, do not follow God, the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows you need them all. He's making a comparison here. The Gentiles, those who don't follow God, don't are not believers. They do these things while you, your heavenly father, knows that you need them all. God knows what you need. Earlier in this chapter, he's teaching on prayer. And he says, your father knows what things you have need of before you ask. That's in verse 8. So God knows what's going on in your life. And there's a question for many of us. Is our God too small? Is the God that we make up in our minds too small? A.W. Toes asked this question, or he, he posed this statement. What, you, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So how do you view God? Because that will di- dictate the rest of your life, how you move and function, what you look at, who you trust. Do you serve the God of the Bible? And I think one thing we must do is get to know who God is. How has God revealed himself? What does God say about himself? Now, I believe God revealed himself in three ways through creation. Look at the world, the creation. Man, God made an amazing creation. He also revealed himself through the word of God. We can read the Bible and learn about God. His self, uh, he disclosed himself to us. He made himself known through his word and also through his son, Jesus Christ, who is exact representation of himself. So God revealed himself through the creation, through the word of God, and through his son, Jesus Christ. We must get to know God because if we believe, as the Bible teaches, God is sovereign. He's in control of all things. If we believe God is omniscient, he knows all things. God is everywhere present, omnipresent. He's everywhere present. God is omnipotent. He's all powerful. If I have that mind to know that God is the one when Jesus speaks of your heavenly father, that's who I'm talking about. The God who owns all things, controls all things. You know what? That means I can take a deep breath. I remember praying what I would call a stupid prayer. It wasn't really stupid, but it, it, was, it wasn't. When I thought about what I actually prayed, I was like, you know what? That didn't make much sense. I prayed this. I was like, God, please take care of the family while I'm gone. 
Like I'm traveling, God take care of them while I'm gone. And I thought, he takes care of them while I'm here. It is all of God. You know, so I think we have to make sure we see God as he really is. It reminds me of the Hebrew boys, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were b- going to be thrown into the fiery furnace along with Daniel, I believe. They were being thrown in the fiery furnace. Not with Daniel. Wait, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anyway, I might be mixing those stories up because they're, they're the Hebrew boys. They were going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. They, they didn't bow down and, and, and worship the king and the flute, right? They played the flute, the music, they were supposed to bow and worship the king. They refused to. And I love what they said. They said this, Oh, king, we don't need, even need to answer you in this matter because our God who is able, well, God is able. He will do what he can do. We don't have to bow. And we we'll have to ask you, king. Our God is able to save us from the fiery furnace. And if he doesn't, king, he's not. he's going to save us from your hand. So I'm not worried about what you can do. I'm worried about, I'm concerned about what God can do. I'm trusting. I put it that way. They were saying, I'm not worried about what you can do, King. I'm trusting what God can do. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Don't worry about all these things. Focus on God. Verse 32 again, for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them all. Verse 33. This is with the verse that I remember growing up, memorized growing up. But, he says, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He's saying, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Are we seeking after the things of God? Are we living according to God's standards, God's ways? Are we seeking that? Not, we're not going to be perfect. That's what we want. No Christian is perfect, but we're headed somewhere. You know, it's not about perfection, but direction. We're headed somewhere. I am focusing on God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all those other things. God will take care of those things. Where's my mindset? Is it focused on the king of kings and lord of lords? Is it focused on things of this earth? Things that I can control, things I can manipulate, right? And not to say we should, we should be lazy. We should work hard in our jobs. We should do all those things to honor God. And that is focused on this kingdom. If you got a job and you, you, you're, the, you're the garbage man, you, you pick up you, you garbage disposal. Work that job to honor God. You're, you're a paramedic. Work that job to honor God. You work in assembly line. Work that job to honor God because all work is from God. So that work can honor God. So be a part. Be First seek God's kingdom and his righteousness and everything will be added unto you. Then in verse 34, he says this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be worried about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. And a lot of times we're worried about things we can't control. We're worried about tomorrow, next three days, four days, right? And I think what I, I believe what happens is this. There's some things we can't control. There's things we can do that we have focus, full control over in our own lives, right? One of those is our mindset. But we start to worry about things we can't control. And when we do that, we lose control of things we can't control. So we have to really consider what am I worried? What you worried about? Like, what are you worried about? Don't worry, seek God. And that's where we get to what, what Philippians chapter 4 says. So turn your Bible, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 gives some great, uh, just straight straight up. Paul was just straight up in here about what to do with worry. And as I told the kids, and I'm going to tell it to you too, is that we need to worry about nothing but pray about everything. And I have a whole, uh, some hand motions that I can show you if you want to do them. You know, if you're watching this on YouTube or watching our app, um, I would tell you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, would you go ahead and download the app? Anyway, I was looking up Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. That's what's taking me so long. So it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
So he gives you some clear instructions. He says, listen, do not worry. Do not be anxious about anything. So what he told the kids, I got told the kids, worry about nothing, pray about everything. If you're watching, you should do that motion. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Worry about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We can come to God. We can bring our... Now, I think prayer is not simply just asking for things. Prayer is communication with God. And part of that prayer is bringing things to God. It's saying, God, I lay this at your feet. God, can you do this? And ultimately, I want to pray as Jesus prayed. When I have a request, God, not my will, but your will be done. On this side, I'm going to pray hard. God, do this for me. But ultimately, God, it's not my will, but your will be done. Because I I did a video earlier about this. God has let me down so many times, and I'm glad he did. Because I was praying for stuff I had I didn't need and wasn't good for me. And God said no. And I can trust God in that. But on this side of the answer, I'm going to pray and plead to God for what I think I need. But ultimately, God, not my will, but your will be done. So I can pray this prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, with a thankful heart. And that's one of the things we got to work on, too, is being more grateful. So bringing God our request with thanksgiving. God, thank you. Whether you say yes, no, thank you. I have the ability to pray to you, bring this to you. With thanksgiving, let my request be made known to God. God, I'm bringing this to you. I'm grateful for what you've done and what you will do. But here's my request as well. Can you do this for me, God? And I got to be patient to hear God's answer. And truth is, God answers prayer in one of three ways. He'll say yes, no, or wait. God never says maybe because, again... Our God is sovereign. Our God is omnipotent. Our God is omniscient. He knows already what he's going to do. So God is not saying maybe. He will say yes, no, and wait. And those last two are my struggles, no and wait. And actually, no is better than wait because no is like, okay, we're not doing that. Wait is like, ooh, we're going to happen. When's going to happen? When's going to happen, right? But I need to trust God in all of that. Because look what he says, because no matter how God answers prayer, when I bring it to God, he gives a promise in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I can bring it to God and stop worrying. There's some things that I brought to God before that were very difficult, but God gave me a peace about it when I left it at his feet. When I say, God, you take care of it. I can't. I, my worrying is not going to help the situation. It's only going to hurt me, hurt situation. So I'm bringing this to you, God. And God gave me peace about it. And maybe the toughest one was with my mom. You know, my mom had colon cancer, stage four colon cancer. And we prayed and we prayed and we pleaded to God to heal her. And he healed her, not in the way we wanted him to heal her. Like I told the kids, if your parents, your grandparents who you're struggling with, you're missing them. If they have trusted Christ as their Savior, they're with God. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so my mom... I can pray and say, God, would you, would you, would you heal her? And I plead and cry. And God said, no, not to, he, he said he healed her. I mean, she doesn't have that cancer anymore, but she's not with us anymore. And I can, I can say, God, I can trust you. And God gave me a peace. And I remember the peace God gave me is sitting by her bedside, realizing she, she may not make it. And, you know, after the tears that there's some peace And there's a hope for believers that we have when we know that God is faithful, that we can trust in God's word. Yes, there'll be pain on this side, but one day in heaven, there'll be no crying, no more tears, right? Ultimately, that is our goal to be with heaven. And here's a funny caveat to this whole thing. I told the kids that same thing and I asked them, 
Would it be better to be on earth with cancer or in heaven with God? They said in heaven with God. And I said, would it be better to be on earth with all the money you want, all things you want, or in heaven with God? And gratefully, they said in heaven with God, right? That's the goal, to be with God. So in the meantime, while we're here, I need to trust God for what he's doing. God is always up to, up to something great. He's always working. He's doing something for his glory and for my good. Those things are not in competition. They go together. They complement each other. God's glory is for my good. So when there's problems that come my way that God brings to us at times, and, and we have to trust him to work those problems out, that's to God's glory. When things are going well, that's to God's glory. When I'm confused and have to trust in God, that's the God's glory. As a matter of fact, she made me think of Paul. Um, they said they were so worried at one point. They, they, were, they were stressed unto death. But he says that was to give us, to make us rely on God who's able to raise the dead. Uh, if, I, if I find the verse, I'll put it on the screen. But that's what he said. These things happen to make us look to God who's able to raise the dead. So as we think about his idea what you worried about, stop worrying. Start trusting God. Worry about nothing and pray about everything. And even if you feel like, oh, that's so simple, you say it like it's all easy. I think it, it can be. We just simply say, God, I'm worried about this. Guess what you did? Just pray. You may not feel like praying. Tell God, I don't feel like praying. I'm mad about this. Guess what? You're talking to God. Here's the beautiful thing. God knows our heart anyway. He knows the things we're going to say before we say it. Because he knows all things. Again, going back to what is our vision of God? How do we see God? Is he the God of the Bible? Is he omniscient? Is he all-powerful? And when I choose to bring those things to God and not worry, that's the testimony of me saying, guess what, God? I can trust you because you are trustworthy. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Connecting Faith and Life. And hopefully our desire for Proclaim Ministries is to help you live for God by connecting faith and life. If you like this episode, if you watch on YouTube, give us a like. If you listen to our app, leave us a comment. And you can always support this ministry by visiting ProclaimMinistry.com slash give. Thank you so much. And hopefully you'll join us in next time for next episode of Connecting Faith and Life. Peace!